Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Tonight, have a seat. The title of tonight's message is simply this, God is for you, part number two. Oftentimes, when people think of God, they think of God as a contrary force to their life. I've heard many people that I've talked to try and go and witness to somebody. You know, you, you feel that little tug at, at your heart saying, hey, go and share Jesus with this person. You go over and you sit with them and you break open the conversation. The door opens up for you to start sharing about Jesus. And what happens? Their, their countenance changes oftentimes. And they'll say, well, you know, I, I went to church, but I got hurt. Or you know what? I don't believe that God is really forced. Look at all the evil in the world. And we want pleasure. We feel like God's against us having any fun. How many of you guys have heard that? God is like some cosmic killjoy up there in the clouds that if we start to smile, we start to have any fun, my goodness, he's waiting with a two-by-four to whack us. And we want to prosper, but God has to be against money because money is the root of all evil, right? And people think that. And we want peace in our lives, but as we look around the world, there's all kinds of troubling things taking place that God doesn't seem to be doing anything about. And people get this understanding from what they experience or circumstances or what they feel, and they don't realize that in truth that God is for you and me. See, the problem's not with God, but I believe that the problem is with our view of God and with our definition of pleasure, prosperity, and peace. And last time we were together on this subject, we found out that God is for our peace. The Bible says he takes pleasure. He delights in the prosperity or the literal translation of that is the shalom, the peace, the wholeness, the health, the, the full life blessing and peace and health and prosperity of his servants. God is for your peace. Tonight, I want to talk to you about another aspect that God is for you in, and that is simply this, that God is for your good. God is for you're good. Maybe online you can type that on the comment section, God is for my good. Now let me, let me just break open this thought with a question, right? Would you rather have pleasure or would you rather have what is good? I want you to just think about that for a second because I, I know that in our day and age, in 2020, in our enlightened thinking, a lot of times people think that that's synonymous. Same thing, pastor. If it's pleasing to me, then it has to be good. But I want to dive into the Word of God and find out if there really is a difference, which I'll let you in on a little secret. There really is a difference. See, most people define pleasure as whatever makes us feel good, right? Ice cream, puppies, alcohol, sex. That all, all makes us feel good, right? But on that list, it would seem to many that God only approves of puppies, right? But puppies don't even stay puppies so long, so God must be against that too. And we conclude that we can never have any fun with God. But the life of a Christian isn't about pleasing ourselves. See, when we only seek our own pleasure, it leads to the wrong places. You guys got your Bibles? All right, online. I know that some of you guys are on an electronic device, and so why don't you uh, open up your Bible app, or if you're on the Rock Church live stream, we do have the Bible in the uh, comment section. There's little tabs up there that you can use and follow along with us. James chapter number four. We're going to be in the first four verses of James chapter number four. James is hard-hitting. James is in your face. James doesn't hold anything back, and he just goes for it. James chapter 4, verse number 1, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure 
that war in your members. Notice he says, your desires for what? For pleasure, right? Now, I asked you the question, would you rather have pleasure or would you rather have what is good? There is a difference because he says, would you, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Verse 2, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your, what's that last word there? Pleasures. Once again, it's getting in the way. It's messing us up. When we're out to please ourselves, we're going to end up following and fighting for the wrong things. Verse number 4, adulterers and adulteresses. What? Who? Me? Yeah, James is getting in our face right now. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, adultery is when you go outside of your marriage covenant. Is that right? We are in covenant with God. We are the bride of Christ. And when we go after our pleasures, hello, when we go and find them out there in the world, we are going after another lover rather than God. So he says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Enmity means war. You are warring in yourself because of your desires, and because you went after that the wrong way, now you are warring with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God doesn't want us to go after our own pleasure. See, these pleasures that are being talked about come from the Greek word hedone. It's where we get our word hedonistic from. Many of you guys know that word, right? It's a self-seeking, self-indulgent, unrestrained, sensual lust, desire, delight, or pleasure. And we are pleased by this type of sensual desire. We operate in the flesh. I just want to throw up a quick scripture real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse number 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. See, the aim of every Christian's life is not to please ourselves, because when we start to please ourselves, it's going to be about what I want, right? That unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Am I hungry? Am I desirous? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Am I weary? Am I? And we're only thinking about the things that will please ourselves. Does it look good? Does it feel good? Does it sound good? Is it good to other people? Is it good to me? Well, if it's not good to me, then it's not good at all. Well, it's all good unless it's not good, and then it can't be good unless we make it good because it feels good, right? And we get so confused about the things of life, and God God is saying, hey, if you're in the flesh, it can't please me. And as Christians, I know that you guys really want to please God. Can anybody say amen? Now, while God wants you to enjoy life, God is against your destruction. That's quite a profound thought, isn't it? God doesn't want you to destroy yourself. And as a good God... He will actually stop you when you are on a path that will destroy yourself. So what does he say? He says food in moderation, sex in marriage, and puppies. Yes, puppies. You can have them, right? But above all, pleasing God in all things. God is saying, if you want to live a life that doesn't destroy yourself, then aim to please me. And as you aim to please me, then I will take care of your life. I will give you what is good. So if pleasing my flesh isn't good, if what I feel, my pleasures aren't good, then what really is good? I'm glad you asked the question. Three little words. God is good. 
There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus seeking to find out about eternal life. Falls down before Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Luke chapter 18, verse number 19. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Jesus declares that God is the only one who is good. And because God is good, then whatever God does is good. And whatever God says is good. And so Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the word of God. He's the logos, right? He's the entirety of God's word. Everything that God had to say, ever would say, ever will say, is all contained in what he did say, Jesus, right? In the life of Christ, we find out what is good and what is evil. So here Jesus, speaking to the rich young ruler, gives him some of the commandments, right? Don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't cut. He says, all things I've kept since my youth. And Jesus says, one thing lacks in you. Go sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And you will have treasure in heaven. And the young man goes away sad because he had great wealth and great possessions. See, if he would have followed Jesus, if he would have done life the way Jesus had suggested to do life, then he would have found what is good rather than what was pleasing to himself. But he went away sad. Why? Because those things, the great wealth that he had, pleased him. And he couldn't give up his own selfish, independent desires. But in giving this young man instructions, Jesus shows us how to find out what is good. Because we can't do, our God, uh, we can't do good our way. We have to do good God's way. You follow it? So that shows me Good, if we were going to define good, it's simply this. Good is God's will, God's way. You guys with me? You guys with me online? Good is God's will, God's way. Jesus says, hey, for you, good is come and follow me. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. That was God's will, God's way. But the young man went away sad. Why? Because he had great possessions that pleased him in the flesh, and he couldn't get over his flesh to give it up and to follow Jesus. But when you and I go searching for what is good, let's learn the lesson. When we do God's will, God's way, it's going to turn out good. Everybody all good? Praise the Lord. See, good is what God says. You can find it in his word. You can find it in your prayer time when you get into his presence and he speaks to your heart. You can find it every time that you come to church and listen to a sermon, a message where we're breaking open the bread of life, the word of God. Whatever God says, whatever God is speaking to you, that is good for your life. That's beneficial for you. Now let me ask you the question, would you rather have pleasure or would you rather have what's good? We'd rather have what's good, right? Because we know that when we do God's will, God's way, we get the good that God intended for our lives, even in the midst of bad. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, if you want to turn there with me, in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28, a very familiar verse. Hopefully it's familiar. If it's not familiar, I would encourage you guys to mark this in your Bible, underline it, put a little star next to it, a smiley face. Maybe you want to post it on a posting note and put it up on your mirror in your bathroom so every time you're brushing your teeth, you can read it, memorize it, get it down in your spirit, and start to live and operate in it. Because in our lives, there's a whole lot of bad that we're going to encounter. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome 
the world, right? And so we know that as long as we live in a fallen world with a devil that's loosed on the earth, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be bad, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be pressure and trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Are you guys there in Romans 8, 28? Romans 8, 28, take a look at it with me. This is in the New King James Version. It says this. It says, and we know. Everybody say, we know. Listen, when the Bible says we know, we ought to know this, right? And so if you don't know, now you know. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Any lovers of God in the place tonight? Any lovers of God online? Put that heart emoji there, the kissy face, whatever you want to do there in the comments section. To those who love God, look at this, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice it's not for our pleasure, it's for his purpose. That means the bad, even the bad that you encounter on a daily basis, God takes that bad and he works it together for your good. That the adversity that was meant to take you down, God will actually use it to lift you up. That the trial that was meant to stop you, God will use it to propel you. That the things when people turn their back on you and left you, God will use that to bring you into a community of people who will stick closer than a brother. To the place where you can look back on every step of your life and you can take a look at every adversity, every trial, every challenge that you went through and you can say, I see what God did there. I see what God did there. I see what God did. Oh, God, God worked that one out. I didn't think he was going to come through, but man, he came through big time and I'm so glad that I went through that because it made me who I am today and that means that the trial that I'm facing now and any trial that I face in the future, I can handle it. Why? Because my God is good and God is working all things together for my good. Because I love him and because I'm called according to his purpose. Heard the story of a king who would love to go and travel and hunt. He had a servant that went with him and a soldier that went with him everywhere he went. And as he went out hunting one time, the servant would oftentimes put the rounds in his rifle and hand it to the king. And the king would then take his shot. One day the king came up and he saw the animal he was going to go after and so he had the servant get his gun ready and servant put the gun ready but he didn't get it quite right and so when the king lifted up the gun to fire it misfired and it blew off his thumb oh he was so angry at the servant but the servant had this attitude and the king always brought the servant along because the servant had this attitude that everything was good anything that would happen oh this is good this is good so the king blows his thumb off and the servant just out of his mouth says oh this is good this is good and the king looks at him and he says, oh my goodness, this is not good. How could you say this is good? He says, no, this is good. This is good. And he says to the soldier, you know what? Throw him in jail. Get him out of here. I don't want this guy around me anymore. And so he, he takes the servant to jail, takes him away. And the king spends the night in his tent. And there, in the middle of the night, he gets abducted by a group of cannibals. Cannibals take him. And they're getting ready to eat him. They've got him tied up. They've got him on a pole. And they're getting ready to put him over the fire. When one of them notices that the king's thumb is gone. And they are very superstitious, and they would never eat anyone who wasn't complete, who wasn't whole. So they thought, something's wrong with this guy. And so they untie him, and they release him. They say, get out of here. We can't eat you. You don't have a thumb. You're not whole. And so he leaves. Now the king realizes, wow, this actually worked out for my good. And I've sent that servant to jail. That's bad. And so he goes to the jail, and he opens the jail cell with the servant, and the servant says, oh, king, I'm so glad that you're here. And he says, I'm so sorry. I, I, don't, I don't, didn't know what I was doing when I sent you away. I was so bad. I was so mean to you. It was so evil for me to send you away. Because it actually worked out that because I didn't have a thumb, that when I got abducted by these cannibals, they didn't eat me. 
And the servant said, this is good, this is good. And he says, I'm so sorry that I sent you to jail. He says, no, it was good, it was good. He says, what do you mean it was good you went to jail? He said, because if you didn't send me to jail, I'd have been in that tent with you. And when they didn't eat you, they were going to eat me. See, when you're going through something in life, If I could bring it home to you, if, when you're going through 2020, come on, somebody, can anybody say amen? When you're going through a trial, when you're wondering how long is this going to last, when you're wondering how much more foolishness can I see on the television and on social media and in my neighbor and in my spouse, just remember that the story isn't over yet. When you look around, start to declare, this is good. God is working for my good. The story's not over yet. God is up to something good because God is good. We need to realize where good comes from. And that any good that I receive is from God. Anything in your life, God's will, God's way, anything that is good, anything, Anything that you receive that's good is from God. Isn't that an amazing thought? James chapter number one, if you want to turn back there with me, we've kind of been bouncing back and forth, back into the book of James. This time in James chapter number one, verse number 17 says this in James chapter number one, verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Can I put it to you like this? God doesn't change it up and just do evil every now and then just because he feels a little, you know, antsy. Like God doesn't get bored in the heavens and go, you know what, I think today I'm just going to zap people, you know? That's not in the heart of God. There is no variation. There is no shadow of turning with him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God was good when he created the heavens and the earth. God was good when he delivered the children of Israel from slavery and bondage. God was good when he gave Israel the land that was flowing with milk and honey. God was good when he delivered them. God was good when he gave them a king named David who would shepherd his people. God was good when he sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. God was good when he birthed the church in Acts. But guess what else? God is good today. There is no changing. There is no variation, no shadow of turning. Just because we're 2,000 years past the cross doesn't mean that God has changed or God has grown dim. God is still good. And any good that's in our lives, we need to recognize where it comes from, that it's coming down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. All the good that we have, anything that we enjoy in this life, we need to give thanks to God because it's coming from Him. Many times people think that God is opposed to us having anything in our life that's pleasing or any wealth or anything that we might enjoy, and yet that's quite the contrary. This is one of those uh, things in, in Christendom that has been debated over the centuries. People have thought that Christians have to live in poverty or have nothing, but I don't see that in the Word. I don't see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob living like that. I don't see the children of Israel living like that. In fact, I didn't even see Jesus living like that, even though the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Did you know that Jesus had a treasurer that traveled with him? You know, he took care of those 12 guys, and he took care of tens of thousands of people feeding them. He brought the prosperity of heaven to earth. He brought the wealth of the kingdom with him. He said it's the, good, the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's no good thing that he would withhold from his children. Now, I'm not saying that that's all that this is about, but what I am saying is that God is not opposed to you having stuff. God's opposed to stuff having you. 
You understand the difference? Let's take a look at it in the Word, okay? Because we look at our family, we look at our job, we look at our income, we look at our church, we look at our friends, we look at our purpose, we look at our ministry, we look at all these things that we would say are good. We have to recognize and acknowledge that these things are from God. First Timothy, and I want to take a look at chapter number six. First Timothy chapter six has a lot to say about wealth, money, stewardship, and our lives. First Timothy chapter number six, verse number 17. We'll dive a lot deeper into this into part number three, that God is for us because God is for our prosperity. And I want to take a look at what that means biblically next time we're together. First Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse number 17, look what it says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, puffed up, right? Oh, I'm so wealthy, I'm so rich. Some of you guys in this room would say, well, pastor, that's definitely not me. I live in San Bernardino. I don't live in the nicest home. I don't drive the nicest car. But listen, if you're living in America... You're already in the top, like, 3% of the world, <laughs> comparatively. So let's realize that we are all rich, and even the poor of this world are rich in faith. So let's not get puffed up, right? Look at what it goes on to say. It goes on and says this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Look at this. Nor to trust in uncertain riches. Everybody say trust. See, there's a matter of your heart that comes along. When good things come into our lives, oftentimes we look at the good things and we trust in those things. Rather than recognize where they come from as coming down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. See, when good things come into your life, our attitude should be, thank you, Jesus. Are you listening? Not to trust in uncertain riches, look at this, but in the living God. Or we could say like this, but to trust in the living God. And then it goes on at the very end of the verse. Look at this. I love this. Who gives us richly all things to do what with? I'm sorry, to do what with? Do you think that God doesn't want you to have any fun? Do you know that everything that you have, do you know that every laugh that you've ever laughed, every joyous bubbling over expression, every smile that you've ever had, anything in your life that has caused you to have that emotional response of, wow, this is good. It's been a good day. That's what was a really good present. Thank you for that good meal. I really appreciate how much good you've done for anything that you've looked at in your life that you've said, wow, that you've said, ha ha, that you've smiled at, that you laughed at, you know, if it's not perverted or any of those types of things, right? Anything that is good, God's will, God's way that has brought you enjoyment, that is coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning because he gives us richly all things to do what? Oh, come on, shout it at me. To do what? Enjoy. God wants you to enjoy your life. I know that might be a new concept for some people. God wants you to smile. Do you know that the fruit of the Spirit is love? What's the second fruit of the Spirit? Joy. God wants you to enjoy life. And it's a product of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what you're surrounded with. It doesn't matter if you're living in a mansion or a shanty, shack, or, you know, if you're driving a hoopty or a, a Humvee. It doesn't matter. God is saying in any circumstance, in any walk of life, in any expression of your life, that if you're doing God's will, God's way, the good that's coming is the good that you're receiving from God. And God wants you to enjoy life. God is for you. He's for you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to trudge through life. He wants you to pause and take a moment. He wants you to think about things and think about life and think about how good he really is. 
One of my favorite uh, comic strips growing up, anybody read the Sunday Funnies and all that kind of stuff, right? Some of you guys love that. I used to like that growing up. And so every Sunday I'd rush to go and get the paper. I remember one specifically was Calvin and Hobbes. You guys like Calvin and Hobbes? A little guy used to be peeing on everything, wasn't he? He was on the back of every truck and they had him peeing on something, you know? And so uh, anyways, Calvin got a bad rap by doing that. But Calvin and Hobbes is really funny. And they had this one comic strip and it was the whole page and it was a beautiful sunset. I got a picture of a sunset. I took that picture at the beach. So it had a beautiful sunset, right? And, and Calvin and Hobbes are sitting there. Hobbes is his pet tiger, but his pet tiger comes alive in his imagination. And Hobbes is just staring. The tiger's just staring at this beautiful sunset. And Calvin's sitting there all cross. And he says, I bet you I'm missing some really great television right now. And I saw that comic strip later on in life, and I looked at my wife, Jessica, and I said, that is totally you, girl. That's, that's totally you. I'm the tiger staring at the sunset, and you're sitting there wishing that you had some good television to watch right now. But listen, guys, I believe that God gives us things like the sunrise. He gives us things like the sunset. He gives us the mountains. He gives us the oceans. He gives us the, that big orange ball. Did you guys see that driving in tonight? Did you guys see that maybe in your rearview mirror if you're coming this way, right? Maybe you saw it in front of your car as you were driving in the church. God gives us those awe-inspiring things in our life. God gives us the moments. You remember when your children were born? Remember your wedding day? Remember the day that you graduated and you got that certificate? You remember those good things in life? All of those things God gives us richly to enjoy. God doesn't want you to trudge through life. God wants you to enjoy life. And the last thing that I want to leave you with tonight it's not only God's will, God's way, not only any good that I receive is from God. But the last thing, let me leave you with this, is that any good I do is of God. See, if we're doing God's will, God's way, any good that you receive will be from God, but any good that you do will be of God. God will actually empower you to do good in your life. See, a lot of people think that in their own power and their own strength that they have to clean up their act and be good so that they can win God's approval. Listen, you already have God's approval in Christ Jesus. God already loves you. In fact, God can't love you any more than he loves you right now because God loves you with a perfect love and he loved you with that love at the cross and God can't love you anymore and he can't love you any less. Now, don't get love and approval mixed up. Those are two different things. God loves you, right? But approving of your actions, that's different. And that's where the rubber meets the road is because people think that when they sin, God doesn't love them. No, he loves you, but he doesn't approve of your actions. But when you walk in Christ Jesus and you do God's will, God's way, you already have the approval of God on your life because you are in Christ. Do you understand? Now, that isn't a license to sin. If you read the book of Romans, you'll find that out. We don't sin that grace may abound. No, we allow the transformative power of the Holy Spirit to get on the inside of our lives, and he cleans up our act as we work together with him in it. And from the inside out, we start to become the people that God wants us to be. All right? That's a whole other teaching for a whole other day. We could spend weeks on it, have spent weeks on it. But any good I do is of God. Let me show this to you. Philippians. Philippians. I think I had you in. First Timothy, turn back a couple books past Thessalonians and Colossians and find Philippians chapter number two. Because oftentimes we think God is for my good. That's wonderful. God does good things. That's great. But I keep messing up. I, I don't really do the good that I want to do. God is saying, I want you to partner up and I want you to work with me at doing good. We don't do good to get saved, but because we're saved, we do good. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12 and verse number 13. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse number 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of times people get messed up on that because they say, wait, 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 Pastor, you just said we don't do good works to get saved, but that said work out your salvation. So obviously we have to do good works and then we get saved. Nope, that's not what he's saying. Notice he says to work out your salvation, right? So in other words, if God has done something in you, salvation, if he's taken your heart and you've made it brand new, if God has done a transformative work on the inside of you where the old man who is dead is now gone and behold, all things have been made new, then take that salvation that's on the inside and work it onto the outside. You guys hearing me? Let me show you how this works in the next verse. So he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse number 13 comes along, and it still continues. Notice there's not a period at the end of verse number 12. So this is a continued thought. It's the same sentence, same breath. Verse number 13. For it is God who works where? In you, right? Everybody say in me. Type it in the comment section online. Say in me. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Notice we were talking about pleasing ourselves versus pleasing God. If we're trying to please ourselves, we're going to be in the flesh and we cannot please God. But when we yield to the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, if God has done that work of salvation and then you say, okay, God, I'm saved, but that's just the starting block. That's just the starting point. God, now I want you to work in me. And what you work in me, God, I'm going to work out of me, right? So that shows that there has to be a will. So God gets on the inside of you and where in your flesh you couldn't, now God gives you the desire in the spirit so that you can. You guys understand me? Let me give you an example of this. Anybody like working out? Anybody enjoy lifting weights, that sort of a thing? A couple of you crazy people out there like that, right? You, you enjoy the pain, you enjoy the gain, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, how, how about this? Anybody enjoy the thought of working out and looking good and feeling healthy. A lot more hands went up on that one, right? Because it's hard. You have to get up earlier, stay up later, find time during the day. You know, you got to schedule that time. And man, if I do this long enough, then eventually when I'm doing this to feed my mouth that I like doing, it's going to hurt lifting that potato chip. You know what I mean? We don't like that. But we see a runner's body, but we don't want to run. We see a boxer's body, and we don't want to box, right? We, we see these people on, on television. We say, man, that would be great if I could look like that, right? There's a desire on the inside, but if the desire only stays on the inside, nothing gets done. But when you work out that desire, what happens? Your body starts to change, Right? And when you realize, hey, I like this, well, how do I get the rest of this working out, right? And then all of a sudden you start to eat different and you, you change your lifestyle and things start to happen. What happened? The desire didn't stay on the inside. It started to work out and started to work through your life. See, the same thing, you can have anything that God has in his word if you're willing to allow that desire to start working in you, but also God will give you that desire and God will give you the will and the power to do his good pleasure. 
And that's what happens when you yield yourself to Jesus and start working with the spirit of grace. God will give you the power. God will give you the ability to have what you see in his word. I remember uh, when I was probably in my, my early 20s, we were going with a missions organization, and we'd gone, I'd traveled all over the world four years with this missions organization, and they were doing what they called uh, Global Link LA. They were going to Los Angeles. And they were going to be in Echo Park at a church, and they were going to be going and doing uh, good works around the city and kind of using Los Angeles as a, a global point because it's a melting pot. And, um, you know, just reaching out to different cultures and different peoples and uh, the homeless and that sort of a thing. And I remember as I was driving down the 10 freeway, headed towards Los Angeles, thinking about serving people in L.A., my heart was just like, mm, no, this is going to be a terrible week, you know. You're going to enjoy seeing people that you saw on the mission field in Europe and in Israel and across the states and the different places where you went and, you know, your good friends, you're going to enjoy that. But, man, serving the poor reaching out to people. I mean, Echo Park, come on. Anybody know about Echo Park in Los Angeles, right? It is not the Ritz-Carlton. Come on, somebody. And it's not the most desirable place. And as I was headed down there, I remember just going, man, this is, oh, God, you're going to have to help me with this one. It's going to be a tough week. And I remember throughout that week, we made sandwiches and we brought them to MacArthur Park. And the homeless just gathered around this one table. And we sat and we shared stories for hours laughed and had a good time and found out why they were homeless and what was going on in their life and found out how we could help them. We ended up connecting with groups of people that we would have not connected with otherwise. Groups of immigrants who had come over and who were living in the shrubbery of the park and who had the cleanest, most amazing space of dirt that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, these people are hardworking. They're busting it, trying to, trying to make a living, trying to make a wage, trying to make it in this land because it's better than where they came from. I remember connecting with the, the church that was there, and it was an Asian church. And the people were so beautiful, and the expressions that brought, came out of them were just so wonderful. I remember doing a car wash and meeting up with Arab Muslims from other nations and sharing the gospel with them. And after that week, I mean, my heart was soaring. And I mean, if you would have said, hey, do you want to go back to L.A. next week and do that again? I would have been the first one to sign up. I would have been zealous. for. I've been asking other people to do it. See, because when God gets on the inside of you and starts to do the work, it no longer is a labor. Now, all of a sudden, it's out of love. It's out of the grace of God. It's out of the goodness of God. And now, no longer is it a terror, but now it's a joy. And you start to receive the pleasure. You start to feel good about it. And you know what that pleasure is when that happens? That's God smiling. You're sensing the pleasure of God on what you're doing in and through your life because it's God who works in you both to will, to want to do it, and to do the power and the strength to accomplish it. His good pleasure. God doesn't have any problem with you having a smile on your face. God doesn't have a problem with you enjoying life. God has a problem when we're pleasing ourselves rather than aiming to please God. And so God says, I will even give you the desire and the power to put a smile on my face with what's going on in your life. And the smile on his face will bring a smile to your face. God is for your good. Can anybody say amen and shout hallelujah tonight? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.